You're listening to The Boss Business of Surgery Series, Episode 62. Today, I'm talking about strategies for when you're crispy around the edges. You've not quite reached burnout, but you definitely need a little bit of help. Strategies like these are things I talk about in Become the Boss MD Coaching, so head to BossSurgery.com if you'd like to hear more. Welcome, surgeons. Residency didn't teach us everything we needed to learn to be a successful surgeon. While we spent our time caring for patients and learning how to operate, we didn't learn how to advocate for ourselves or navigate our career. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Vertries. I'm a general surgeon, certified coach, and founder of the Boss Business of Surgery series. This is where you'll learn those lessons not taught in residency. Hello, hello. Okay, so this was not the podcast that I meant to have for today, but I suppose it was always meant to work out this way. Um, I had a podcast interview scheduled for Saturday, but you all are surgeons, you know this. Um, I had a case that ended up coming up and in the boss coaching Facebook group, that's a private Facebook group um, that you are all invited to join. I started talking about those of us that are crispy around the edges, you know, maybe not quite reaching burnout, but certainly feeling the many different symptoms of all this too. And I wrote down what I was feeling in that moment, because I, I recognize I'm a little crispy around the edges for circumstances, you know, that are, I don't know, long story. Anyway, you all know that I'm in a private practice and my partner um, was out of town for a while. And so I was basically a solo practitioner for a couple months and it's been both useful and very difficult. So I've basically been in charge of all the expenses, all the people and all the patients that come through the door, which can be a little bit of a challenge if you have the complicated ones. So I've essentially been in the hospital, you know, almost every day since August, with the exception of a couple of days. Uh, it was definitely a little bit difficult, but it was also I could find a lot of gratitude in this because I've been able to find the, the team. I've been able to provide a lot of guidance for the team so they could help me. And, you know, this difficult period is really going to lay the groundwork for getting a lot of help in the future. So that is the benefit of private practice. It's both the, the downfall and the benefit of private practice is that you can hire all the people and you can direct them how to help you. And once you realize how to get out of your own way, and they actually become so useful. So I'm so grateful for my team. Well, I definitely wouldn't have been able to do it without them. So, but of course that leaves you a little crispier on the edges. So I kind of, I started describing some of the symptoms that I had in the group and it seemed to resonate with everyone. So I wanna take you through three specific posts that I had and how I you know, evolved, how I was dealing with this crispy around the edges. And so first I started talking about, you know, with the higher achievers, we don't show the same symptoms of depression or burnout that other people do. I mean, we're used to achieving. We're used to getting everything you know, done. And we're used to not asking other people for help and things like that. We're able to just really hustle and get things done. So we don't show a lot of the same signs that other people do. Um, I could tell you the signs that I had. Um, basically, the only thing I could really mentally handle was a video game. And I posted reaching like level 139. And I think I'm higher now. Uh, but sometimes when you're sitting there and your mind is working, but you don't really want to think about something, you know, you can get a little bit of reward from a video game. And that's basically what I was doing. So that's usually a sign that I'm uh, a little bit, you know, crispy around the edges is my seeking video games for comfort. And 
I found myself just dead tired, didn't really want to do things, but then I also couldn't sleep either. I couldn't explain why it was hard to go to sleep and I couldn't understand why I was still waking up at four or waking up multiple times in the night. And, you know, that led to just basically dragging. So even though I was up early, it was still hard to get going. So I was finding myself getting to work later and later. We're supposed to sign the patients by seven and I was getting there, you know, a little, almost always before seven, then all of a sudden it was, you know, 7.01 or 7.03. And so it just kind of kept creeping up. I was missing meetings. They were maybe in the schedule, maybe not. I don't know. I wasn't sure what day it was. So I found myself missing meetings. And then I wasn't checking email or getting ahead. Because uh, typically what I'll do is I'll have a break sometime and I'll go through things and, you know, create a to-do list. And I just wasn't getting some of those things done. And so things kept coming and and I meant to get to them and I didn't, things like that. And when I'm talking to someone, I found myself not seeing them, you know, not good or bad. It's like, you know, sort of oblivious. I'm basically a walking zombie and not really interacting. I'm interacting, but I'm not interacting. You know, would I even remember these conversations? You know, was I an autopilot? And as a result, I found myself, you know, repeating a story or things like that because I, I don't remember who I was talking to. And, you know, a little bit more irritable and not taking care of myself, you know, thinking like, well, I mean, we'll just take the dry shampoo out today, you know, we're not, and besides it's winter anyway, I'll just dry out your hair and then I'll just take a quick shower and get it done. And, you know, and then it's just like, I don't really want to take care of myself any more than that. You know, I'll just do the bare minimum. You know, I'm certainly not fixing my hair and things like that. And um, so those are some of the things that I recognized. And it was interesting because many of the comments that I saw were like, you know, it's pretty good for me. And, you know, I see this, I'm doing the same thing. I feel like you're describing what I'm going through. So I thought that many of you were probably doing this uh, as well. So now for those of you like me who started recognizing, you know, that you're not quite burned out, but really getting there, um, let me offer some strategies. These are things that help me get through. And a lot of credit is to coaching because I started recognizing how much control we have over thoughts and emotions and recognizing these thoughts and emotions and really using that as fuel to create some change. So the one thing that I started uh, implementing over the weekend is not adding to the problem. Now, I knew I had to round this weekend, and I mentioned that I had a lot more people than I was expecting, and I had already made some plans, and I, I really didn't want um, to go for a long period of time, but I, I looked at the list and realized it's going to take me a lot longer than I thought, um, and I started feeling dread. I started feeling like I didn't want to go, and I was getting frustrated, and I started having a lot of those thoughts of you know, why me? I hate my job. Why am I doing this? You know, all the things and, um, and really catastrophizing. And what I found was that I didn't have to have dread. I mean, what is dread anyway? When I recognized it was dread, that is simply anticipating something unpleasant in the future. So I'm not in the future yet. This wasn't on Saturday. I wasn't doing the rounds. I wasn't interfering with my plans or worried I was going to make my plans. I was just anticipating missing my plans. And I was anticipating being here longer than I thought. And I was feeling that awful emotion before I was even there. And this is what I discovered. Dread is pointless anticipation. There's no point to it. 
You're not changing anything. You're not even experiencing it. You're experiencing it in your mind. And so when I realized that, I thought, well, I don't have to dread it right now. I'll just take myself to the moment. I'll bring myself into the moment. And then said, you know, well, what do I need to do? I really just need to do the task in front of me. And when I became laser focused on what I was doing, I realized all I have to do now is put some orders in. And the next thing I'm going to do after that, I'm going to put the op note in. The next thing after that, I'm going to go talk to the family. The next thing after that, I'm going to go to my case. And what it really did was just drop the extra time that I was adding and all the, the negative thoughts in that moment and just dropped it. And then I took a proactive approach. Like, well, if I'm going to anticipate something, why don't I anticipate something better? So I knew I had to round. That was not negotiable because of decisions I'd made in the past. I could estimate first how long it's going to take. So now I I already know how long because I paid attention to how long rounds typically take me. So I had a good estimate of that amount of time it would take. And I decided what I was going to do afterwards. Decided, well, I'm going to stop at Starbucks. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go get a nice coffee. And I started, you know, living in that moment of, you know, completing the tasks and getting in my car and driving and having a drink I was looking forward to. I don't go there that often. So uh, it was something to really look forward to. And then afterwards, I was going to go and take my kiddos out uh, to wherever they wanted to go and and spend time uh, with them. So I was using that anticipation um, to look for something that I was really excited about rather than something I dreaded. And already then I found myself, you know, being lifted and all of a sudden the rounds didn't seem so bad. Now, catastrophic thoughts would come up when a lot of us have already have, you know, committed to something and we feel like we can't, something comes up and we feel like we can't really modify it. And we start having these feelings of, you know, I don't have any control over this. And I've found this, you know, one key ticket for anger and frustration to me is this feeling that I don't have control over this or my time and all this thing. And, you know, it leads to other thoughts of like, why did I train all this much if I have to just do this? And, you know, why am I at everybody's mercy and poor me, you know? So there was a lot of that. And when I realized this idea of, you know, I don't have control over this, I asked myself, you know, what can I control? What can I do right now? And that's again, where I took myself to the moment and said, well, this is what I can do. I can make up a plan. I can do the task in front of me. I can you know, create the emotion I want ahead of time and live in that moment. And so that is what I could do. And also I realized that, you know, once I allow myself to imagine a different future, other than this one of dread that I was anticipating, I started realizing that I can ask other people for help. And I can't really credit myself for this. I was sort of in a little bit catastrophizing in the moment, but my nurse practitioner said, you know, why don't I cut today short and come in tomorrow and help you? And I mean, what a gift she is. But I recognized I wasn't really looking for how other people could help me. And that's one thing I've done in this period of time where it's been a little bit busy is to use the people around me and recognizing, you know, how many of these tasks that do not have to be done by a surgeon that I'm doing. And I really don't have to necessarily. I can utilize my skills of negotiation and uh, delegating to start, you know, navigating what I do and don't have to do. So there's a lot of tasks that we feel like we have to do, but we really don't. And so I, you know, by using her and, and helping me out, now this long amount of list, uh, this long list of things is actually a lot shorter. So finding other people to help us is even better. And, you know, I 
that was another thing for me to anticipate. I enjoy her company. So I knew this was going to be a little bit more fun. And so I really started to not necessarily look forward to it, but it wasn't so bad. Then the next thing to do, an emotion I find always helpful is gratitude. I mean, it really is a remarkably amazing job that we have to be surgeons, you know, to be able to take people to unknowns and to do things that require a lot of skill and knowledge and to do so um, quickly and efficiently and communicate to the patient and the family members and the team and get everyone on board and do all the things. I mean, these, this is really a great job. Now, I think it was the Mayo brothers that talked about medicine being a jealous mistress. We do have to keep in mind that medicine really is a jealous mistress and she needs boundaries. So we really do have to understand that we can still enjoy this job and, and boundaries are meant to protect us. You know, how do we create boundaries around our, our time and our feelings? And I re reference you back to the Feeling a Safe Work webinar. That's a previous um, podcast to hear some of the strategies of how to do that. It really is a great job. The next thing to consider, emotions are contagious. If I walked around feeling miserable, I'm going to make the people around me miserable. So I had to be very conscious of the emotions that I am allowing people to catch. This is going to hurt all of us. So the more conscious I am of the emotions I'm having, the more I can purposely choose the ones that I have. And if I can't reach it, I can borrow them from someone else. Again, emotions are contagious. And maybe if I hang around people who have positive emotions, I can catch them. <laughs> and we do this all the time with our families of our patients who are so grateful and our patients who are so grateful. And, you know, when we're really in a good place, we're able to be the best version of ourselves. And we don't always see the best version of ourselves, but a lot of times the people around us do. So catch that emotion, catch the positive emotion from someone around you. The next thing that I did was talked about what happens when things don't turn out exactly like you thought. So Saturday came around. And so not only did rounds take a little bit longer than I thought, um, I suddenly had an unexpected case that I had to add. And you all know these cases, they're like hour, hour and a half, but we have to wait for another case to go. The OR team has to have a break. We have to do all these things. You know, it's a weekend, anything can come up and bump it. So now I was facing a lot of uncertainty too. Um, and the plans that I had laid that I was very excited about really had to kind of take a back seat and say, well, may not be able to get to that today. So what am I going to do? So I decided what I'm going to do is <laughs> work on different strategies. All right. So I talked about how I didn't have dread ahead of time. And what I recognized in going through that exercise is that not only had I eliminated the dread, I didn't even minimize it. I just eliminated it altogether. I wasn't in dread. And I took that lesson to Saturday as well. I do not have to dread this case coming up. You know, I can just shift this into a strategy. So how am I going to do this? Well, my nurse practitioner did come in around and she really, she made it fun and helpful and everything to, you know, took a short period of time. And so um, I was able to get what I accomplished and that was, um, you know, great, gratifying to see that work. And I couldn't quite make it a Starbucks, but we have, you know, one of those faux Starbucks in our hospital. So I did, you know, after rounds, we treated ourselves and, and had a nice drink and finished our notes and things like that. So it wasn't quite what I anticipated, but it was pretty good. Um, and I end up having to reschedule the podcast interview and I end up having to reschedule lunch plans with my family. 
So, you know, I called the podcast, uh, the surgeon I was going to interview, and of course she understood. So we've shifted this to another time. And my family, of course, understands because, you know, this is not the first time. Um, And instead of lunch plans, now we have dinner plans. So everything, you know, once I got out of catastrophizing, realized I can actually shift these things. And, you know, it doesn't have to be terrible. Um, Now, that being said is, I think it's really important that we have like a little internal fit if we need to. And I certainly did, you know, I spent a few minutes and and just let my like inner victim and catastrophizing, you know, have a little bit of moment. Um, the one difference that I've noticed since, you know, becoming a coach and getting coached myself is that, you know, you can't stop these negative emotions from coming. You can't stop these thoughts from coming, but you could certainly shorten the period of time that they monopolize your life you know, you can take this and give it the time that it needs and then put it aside. So that's what I was able to do is, you know, throw my fit and be done with it. So I indulged the suck for a few minutes. And then I reminded myself um, in the, that I was in the moment and I had some choices and I reminded myself what the facts were. And so in this particular moment, this patient needed an operation. And I knew this, this operation would take about one to one and a half hours. And uh, I recognize that if the wait was too long, I fortunately live very close to the hospital. So I can ask them how long it's going to take. And if it's too long, I can decide to go home, which is what I did. So I went home and I spent some time with my family. It wasn't quite what I expected, but it worked as well. Then I was able to, again, make change the plans that I had. The facts also reminded me that this too shall pass. And recognizing that I could change my schedule in the future, you know, maybe I could not have a podcast interview when I may be rounding or, or, you know, pick a different time or something like that. Yeah, I could change my schedule in the future, but recognizing that I can't change it right now, and that's okay. And recognizing that, you know, as an adult, we have to make these decisions and the responsibilities that I have in this moment are based on choices that I made in the past. There's nothing that I could do right now to change those choices that I made, but I chose to make them and I'm responsible for them. And therefore I'm going to do what I said that I was going to do. So I'm going to honor the responsibilities that I had. Um, So those are the facts that I had in my mind um, going into this. So I went through the actions of canceling my interviews and I moved the lunch plans to dinner and, you know, I dropped the crappy emotions that don't offer anything. You know, the facts are the facts. And when we look at things that are facts and not thoughts we tell ourselves, it's so much easier to get beyond that. And, but let's think for a minute of where these crappy thoughts come from or these crappy emotions. You know, feeling bad comes from many catastrophizing thoughts, these thoughts that aren't true. But, you know, these are things that if we let ourselves listen to what we're hearing in our brain, you know, it really helps us understand why we're getting the results we're getting. Because the crappy, you know, catastrophizing thoughts that I had that were leading to negative emotions were these thoughts like, I mean, this is why I can't schedule anything. You know, I haven't had a day off in X amount of days and it's unfair. And, you know, I made a mistake for choosing this career. And, you know, I have to do this or everyone's going to be mad at me. And, you know, I can't do anything I want. You know, this crap always happens to me. You know, this isn't even my patient. I'm not responsible for this. And, you know, on and on. These are useless thoughts that don't add anything. You know, these are thoughts that just lead. I mean, are any of these thoughts going to lead to anything other than crap emotions? So I decided I'm just going to throw them out. They're not offering me anything. I don't want to feel bad. I don't want to feel terrible. And maybe, you know, I could take the, the fit that I had in the moment and say, well, 
you know, I just need to indulge that just a little bit to decide, you know, is there something I'm going to change in the future? I can't change it right now, but, you know, what do I have control over? I have control over the changes that I may want to make in the future. So I started to realize that I do have a lot more control than I think. Um, So I hope that you find some of these techniques and some of this um, thought process that I've gone through of going through um, feeling a little overwhelmed and frustrated and irritated and taking through how we can anticipate in a good way things, you know, use that anticipation for something useful and, you know, take us through a thought process that allows us to be flexible and, you know, really getting out of these catastrophizing thoughts that are making us feel terrible. You know, there's going to be points we feel terrible, but what I want for you is to shorten that period of time. So at least if we're going to feel terrible, at least we feel terrible for a shorter period of time. I hope this is helpful and we'll get back to our regularly scheduled podcast that was supposed to come on. And uh, again, head to boss coaching on the Facebook group. You can find the link on bosssurgery.com. And if you want to hear more about the Boss Business of Surgery series, go to bosssurgery.com.